All right, you're now tuned in to the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 233. We're going to talk play-in, we're going to talk playoffs, and we're going to talk about five years in a row on this show. And I've been left disappointed once again as a Clipper fan. It's the follow-through with Clips and Drew. Drew, kick that intro music. What up, podcast world? What's up, everybody? You know what it is. You know where you're at. It's the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 233. This will be our last podcast as Drew as a semi-single man. He will be a married <laughs> man by this time next week. This is Drew's wedding week. We That's have. Right. I'm on vacation for a little while, Drew. I'm, I'm yeah. not going to – yeah, I'm, I'm, I've got the next, like, 11 days nice. planned out. So I love it. Yeah, we got Santa Barbara this week. I'm heading up Friday. I think you're heading up Thursday. And then Wednesday, uh, yeah. Wednesday. And then Saturday is the big day, Drew. You you getting excited? Very excited. Yeah. Now it's fun now because like the weather reports are coming out, right? Like that's the one thing that we can't control. I mean, COVID as well, but the weather <laughs> is something that we're just kind of like, you know, you pick a day and you kind of just cross your fingers that it's going to hold. And as for, uh, you know, last week we were looking. You know, uh, uh, both of our sets of parents, Casey's and mine, been, you know, very excited about this as well. And they're like giving us weather reports. And last week it was like 40% chance of rain on oh. Friday. Oh. So the day before, which is totally fine. Not a problem. As long as it's not, you know, completely soggy and, you know, because the ceremony is supposed to be outside. Mm -hmm. And now it's looking better and better. So that's the that's the part that is exciting is like now we're actually checking these things that, that matter. I mean, we're five days out. It's it's a. Uh, it's going to be a blast, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to partying with everybody. I think we're going to eat really well. I think that's the thing that I'm mostly excited about. I mean, I've been on this wedding diet for a couple months and I did, I, I got close to my goal, but I did not reach uh, my goal of 220. Uh, but I'm going to eat. What are you going in at, bro? Why don't I'm, you do the boxers thing? Why don't I'm you do the boxers? And, thing? I'm, I'm going to be eating and drinking like a, like a, a fucking champion. Well, if there's one thing you and I could do well, it's eat. And for anybody that was concerned, I did find a fit guys i actually bought two fits because the saleswoman was just so good that she made me believe that i needed two <laughs> fits for one day but i'm gonna look fresh and it was this nigerian woman too this oh, is men's cool. warehouse and she's like you will you, you you look fresh and i'm like okay that's all yeah. i'm really going for so good salesperson there yeah she was great anyways i'm really looking forward to it i hope everybody had a, a nice easter weekend uh we haven't recorded you know, one thing that that we were concerned about, too, on the last show was like, God, OK, if the Clippers have a game, Drew, during yeah. your wedding, <laughs> this is going to be something, you know, it's it's going to be out of my hands at that point. And now I don't have to worry about it, Drew. <laughs> and it's just, you know, for our fifth season, this just happens again. It, it just ends on a disappointing note. I took my you know, I think I've matured a lot, too, Drew. Normally, after the Clippers lose in playoff series or whatnot, I like to take a good four or five days and go completely black. If you guys follow us on social media, you know I went dark. I didn't want to respond to anybody. And it's just wild, bro. So, like, uh, we have to – we recorded right before the Minnesota game, right? Minnesota ends up winning the game. We haven't even just talked about that yet, which was, you know, we are the, we are the champions, Pat Beverly and – and Edwards go crazy. And, you know, mm -hmm. a lot of people, social media was giving them a lot of shit for it. And I, it was excessive, okay? 
It was really excessive, but it's so Pat Beverly to do something like that, right? Yeah. And then he was so vulgar after the game, talking all of this shit. And it's like, dude, I saw you on JJ's pod. I've heard you on a few of them. Like, you have nothing but love for the Clippers. You had great things to say about them. But then you win a game, and you're talking like, yeah, send, send their asses home. And, you know, they disrespected me. They, they, they never did that, man. It was a mutual thing. We couldn't pay you. We had to let you go. You and Lawrence Frank were, were fine with it. And you moved on. And you, you've done great in Minnesota. Did you, did you think the celebration was a little excessive, though? I expected that out of Pat Bev. That though, like the like the like the Kobe jump on the scores table. Definitely for Pat Bev. That's that's got to be one of the biggest moments of his career. Mm. Um, and he and he performed really really well in that mm. game, and it was a huge reason why. I mean, alongside of Anthony Edwards and D'Lo just carrying the offensive scoring load, with Carl Anthony Towns having one of the shittiest games I could ever imagine him having. Uh, but yeah, I kind of expected Pat to do it up the way that he that he only he can if if it was going to result in a win and then I think it did carry over to like where it was weird that Anthony Edwards was jumping on the table you know like it had context for Pat Bev to react that way it didn't have any context for the rest of the T-Wolves other than this is a great success for this team this is a big success they got the seventh seed they have a good team Mm. there's there seems to be a significant amount of belief within this team as you look at what happened after and in the in the first game against memphis which we'll get into in a bit but uh yeah i thought obviously it was excessive but i definitely expected something like that out of pat beverly with an opportunity to go up against the team that traded him in the clippers and and the second team that traded him in the grizzlies so this is par for the course pat beverly stuff in my opinion yeah, I agree. And you you brought it up. I mean, we 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 played town so well, right? And Reggie had a really bad fourth quarter. Norm had a really bad fourth quarter. And it just didn't work out, right? And the best part is, like, we only had to win one of two games. And to play the Pelicans, I was very confident about going in against the Pelicans. And then, of course, you, you wake up Thursday morning, and it's like, oh, Paul George has COVID now, like legit COVID. And my phone didn't stop blowing up. You know, Clipper curse, Paul George, COVID, all of this shit. And honestly, Drew, uh, in all honesty, I wasn't worried. I'm like, oh, okay, so Paul's not going to play tonight. We're playing against the Pelicans. We played without Paul all year. If this is going to if this isn't going to get the guys up to win the game, I don't know what is. So Mm -hmm. I was really confident going into the game. The game was very good, right? Reggie was great. I thought Norm was trying to be way too aggressive early. Like he was throwing up some pretty bad shots. Marcus Morris is the one that kept us in the game. We go down 13, then up 13, and then the Pelicans just come back and beat us. And I was disappointed, man. You know, I, I think about it. Like, what was, I was just thinking about my life after that game. And I'm like, I've, I've had such a blessed life. Great family, great friends, great house. I live at the beach, right? We have a great podcast, great opportunities. But at some point in my life, the Clippers chose me. Dude, Clippers chose me. If my dad was a Bulls fan or a Lakers fan or anything, my life would be so much easier. But it, it's it's who I am. It's the Clippers. Yeah. And although I'm, I was disappointed that we lost, um, thought I, again, I thought we had a great season. I mean, we ended up with the winning season. Um, it's just so in Clipper fashion to have Paul George catch COVID <laughs> on the flight home from Minnesota <laughs> that he can't play in the fucking game. Man. Where does this rank? Or does this rank in the Clipper curse, you know, top 10? Well, you know, I don't believe in the curses. I don't believe in the curse. So you're just going to just going to forget to acknowledge the fact that this continues to 
this type of shit continues to happen. You make your Western Conference Finals for the mm-hmm. first time, but Kawhi tears mm-hmm. his ACL. Mm-hmm. You have an opportunity to get into potentially a first round matchup and it doesn't work out in Minnesota. Paul George tests positive for COVID. Like you're just going to ignore that. And, and then that's just I, the most two recent in the yeah, two. Recent I don't, years. There's a whole litany of other stuff. I just, I don't believe in curses. Okay. I think, I think it's uh very unfortunate. It is in true Clipper fashion that this yeah. has to happen. <laughs> um, but again, I look at it and what a great season now it's, I mean, I guess not a great season, but we, we did the best with what we could and not to mention Luke Kennard getting hurt in the, yeah. in the game before the playing series that he shouldn't have even been playing in. Right. They should have rested him or at least stopped him at 15 minutes, but hindsight's 2020 and it is what it is, man. We could have definitely used him definitely needed Paul George, but like we said, Lord of the wings, man. Uh, We had people to step in and play and Marcus did a really good job, but it just wasn't enough. And then what were we going to do? Were we going to win a championship? The the other thing is, is I really felt that Kawhi was going to play. And now when you, when you're listening to talk shows and stuff like that, people are now really high on that. Oh, well, you know, we were expecting Kawhi to come back and play. Oh, you weren't saying that a month ago. Only clips and drew were saying that. Exactly. Um, The the big question to me is like, how close was he? Right. Cause in the moment you get the Paul George, news mm-hmm. immediately in my head is like now it's time for Kawhi, right like let's go put the cape on i'm here you know at, even even just in sparing like minutes restriction type of stuff his impact on the court i think would have been tremendous um i'm i'm curious at like how close to a go no go they were for paul george for that game i or, think for, for Kawhi leonard for that game i think we 100 had belief in the fact that we could beat the pelicans with mm-hmm. either, without either one of them we played very well all season without either one of them. Um, I think truly and honestly, I think that Kawhi was going to come back in the first round of the playoffs playing Phoenix. Well, see, that's my point. If he was mm-hmm. ready, if he was ready a week from then, like mm-hmm. potentially one week, they were going to give him the go, like the green light, go ahead and get out there. Mm-hmm. Like in my mind, I probably, if I'm Ty Lue, I, I'm, I might've pulled him aside, you know, been like, Hey, like how, how, how are you feeling? <laughs> like, like if we just put you in a Jersey, and let you ride the bike for the first half, and then you come out in the second half, like third and fourth quarter, like full-on Willis Reed type mm-hmm. shit. Like, you know, can you do it? Because I think I think that's something that I would have tried to manifest with without Paul George. And Kennard missing, too, was important also. But, you know, Kawhi would have been unbelievable in that I, moment. I think what, we're, what we forget to talk about is, like, immediately once we went small ball, our defense was absolutely insane. And once we took Nico out of the game, they went on an 11-0 run. Nico yeah. was was by far the MVP of that game. And he's been like that for us all season. When we went small, Rocco, Marcus, T-Man, uh, Norm, you know, it, it was it was real nice, man. Like, we lit their asses up. And I think the one thing I want to bring up is – we need to, in the offseason, address something that I've said all year, and it's blatantly obvious in the playoffs. We need rim protection. There mm. is too many times during the, the playoffs where Zubak does nothing and does nothing for us, right? And regular season and postseason are tough, man. It's a different ball game. They were CJ was getting way too many buckets at the rim. Like, mm. there wasn't any contested shots. I love Zub, and I think he's great for us, and I want to keep him. But I had a long conversation with my NBA friend, um our nba friend and i was just bringing up centers that i think would be great for us and i came down to the final 
the final thought, which is I think we need to make a play for Miles Turner. I think Miles yeah. Turner would be the best fit for us. I'd like to keep Zub. Now we have unrestricted, unrestricted free agents in Hartenstein, um, in Rocco, and in Batum who could pick up his option and whatnot. I think we're going to get Batum back. And I think our main focus is to, to get Rocco to come back and sign with us. I think we can get Hartenstein for cheap, but I think we need to focus on getting a rim protecting center. Now, Bismack Biombo was brought up. I'm like, he does everything that we need. Defense, rebounds, knows his fucking role. I think with Miles, who can guard the rim and then stretch the floor a little bit, it can bring us a little more depth and, a, you know, uh, just another big man that can shoot. The plan going into next season, I know we don't want to spend all this time on the Clippers because the Clippers, it's over, it's done with. But by the time Kawhi comes back in September, he'll be 15 months removed from uh, surgery, right, and tearing the ACL. So uh, he, if anybody, don't don't be like Ben Simmons, Kawhi, and, you know, you come back and then you have a, a herniated eardrum or something, okay? <laughs> but we should be extremely healthy going into next season. I'm positive for, for next season. But yeah. I, I'm not, I, I think there needs to be something done in the middle. What do you think? Well, yeah, I think that even around trade deadline, we were throwing different options against the wall for the Clippers to kind of solidify that last piece. Right. And then, and then you decide, you know, at the end of it to let go of Serge Ibaka, who could have potentially been in this role game changing. Right. right. Like, and, but that was a forward thinking move. I think, I think that, you know, the front office of the Clippers was kind of resigned to the fact that, this potentially wasn't going to be a postseason where we see Kawhi and Paul George on the court together. So maybe that decision was a little too soon, a little too quick, mm-hmm. uh, because I do think Ibaka could have been the guy that was the most impactful of the three center options that you had at that time. Yes. Miles Turner is a fantastic basketball player. Uh, he will land somewhere that appreciates him. And I think, honestly, now that they got rid of Sabonis, I do think they're going to try and build with, with Turner there. Um, we'll see though. I mean, that, that, that whole organization seems to be in flux, um, uh, to the point where there's like legitimate rumors about Russell Westbrook going to Indiana, which makes me very happy and very excited. Um, so, you know, that, that sure that to me, that's a sign of chaos. If you're considering bringing in Russell Westbrook to your, like, organization, yeah, I think this would be a good fit for us. Your organization is probably a little chaotic. Um, anyway, miles Turner. Yes. Biombo. Yes. Hartenstein. Yes. Uh, I don't have a problem with the backup center position. Um, it's mostly just going to be about money and how willing Balmer is to go deep into the luxury tax. If you're going to go after somebody like Miles Turner, or you're going to go after a free agent of some sort, I do think Hardenstein's going to be a little bit more expensive this year because he showed out really well. I think a lot of teams like his way that he plays and his mm-hmm. hustle and his size obviously is very important. Um, but I agree. I think that is definitely a position that you have to shore up. It's the, it's the weak link in the chain. Mm-hmm. Uh, and virtually every other position is pretty solid when everyone's healthy on the Clippers. So, yeah, I think I think there definitely will be some stuff that happens this offseason and we'll see how committed the Clippers are to to Zubats and to Hartenstein um, and whether or not they they feel like, you know, maybe they gotten the best out of these guys or maybe they can, you know, gear up for the future. I mean, who knows? Maybe maybe the Warriors after this postseason are like ready to get rid of James Wiseman and maybe you can package something like that like where they get Zubak who is like the perfect to me i think he would be perfect on the warriors coming off the bench to spell Kevon Looney right like he plays within himself he's a good free throw relatively good free throw shooter all these things so i think there will be options um but uh definitely too early for us to to really delve into that 
Yeah, and but I also like Zubak when Kawhi and PG is there. Like he, yeah. I think he does he does way better when they're in. We had to ask a lot of him this year. He did get better this year. But anyways, guys, yes, I'm disappointed. And this is my 32nd season of uh, disappointment. <laughs> that continues, I guess. Last year was good, though. That wasn't that disappointing. It's the greatest year of my uh, life, Drew. Yeah. I, <laughs> um, the, the last question that I had that came to my mind mm-hmm. was it's three years in now for the Clippers with the, with the Paul George, Kawhi Leonard experiment. It's three years in for the Lakers with the LeBron James, Anthony Davis experiment, who do you think has done a better job? Both have been pretty good at times and really shitty at times. Well, it's you guys won a championship. You won the bubble chip. You guys got to the Western Conference Finals yeah, without look, man, the best player. I, we've said this so many times. When you have an opportunity to get Kawhi and Paul George, you get them. And we got them, and they've changed the whole direction of our franchise and they're locked up we have them like under contract yep cool the injuries have been tough i think they've only like played something like 60 games together paul and Kawhi. we haven't seen them at full capacity on what they can do it's frustrating and Kawhi is frustrating at times and uh i'm fine with it though man i think you know we have a new arena coming we have all this great shit happening the health has been the hardest part yeah. and we sniffed it, man. I swear to God, guys, if Kawhi, if Joe Ingles doesn't bump Kawhi, we're winning a championship <laughs> last year yeah. or at least going to the finals, man. And, you know, Giannis would have done his thing, but we could have beaten Phoenix. And honestly, if we had a healthy Paul George and Luke Kennard going into the first round of the playoffs playing Phoenix, I think we'd give them a run too. I agree. Um, I agree. Did we beat them? We, I mean, we we almost beat them. Last, I mean, we went to six. How many games did we go to? Five games. Six. 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 Um, I'm still happy. I'm happy with these guys. We're going to win a championship, Drew. I'm going to win a championship. Yeah, and I think that's the thing. Like, like when I the reason I asked the question is because when you look at it at face value, Lakers have a championship. Clippers do not. So mm-hmm. people automatically kind of lean that way. But if you look at where the, where both franchises are in year three, we are so far away from a championship, and mm-hmm. you guys are still kind of right there, given health, right? Mm-hmm. And then that's the big Lakers thing is like, well, given our health, potentially we would be up there again, blah, blah, blah. But the current state of our team is I'm in much nowhere. better position. Yeah, the Clippers, in my opinion, like if you're going you know, year over year, they have done a better job based on this year right now and, and, and the fact that we decided to blow up the thing that did win us a championship. And now we don't have the same head coach and we have, you know, all these revolving players. So yes, the Lakers championship still hangs in in staples um, and I love it and I value it. And I I think I would do it all over again for that championship. But when you're looking at it for me, I think the Clippers are in a better position, significantly better position than, than the Lakers are right now. Yeah, I agree. So it gives me a lot of hope for next season. It's going to be a long off season for us, but look, We do have the playoffs. We have first round of the playoffs. And I want to say something, man. Can we just get seven games from Boston and Brooklyn? I think we're going to get it. I think we're going to get it. seven games. This has everything, everything that's sexy about about, uh, stories in the NBA. This is the sexiest right now. We've got Kyrie who... Look, Drew, it's it's wild to me that, like, yes, Kyrie's played a handful of games this year, but this guy has been fucking perfect in almost every single one of these games that I've watched, right? Mm-hmm. And we have Kyrie telling fans to suck his dick. We've got Kyrie flipping off people in the front row. Boston hates Kyrie, as they should, right? Yeah. It is a hostile environment 
in Boston, as it should. I think the fans are fucking tough, though, right? Like, let's let's take it a little easy, bro. We know <laughs> we know how you flex, Boston, but like, let's take it easy with like cussing out NBA players in the front row. But Kyrie goes off. Um, KD doesn't have a great game. It's a buzzer beater finish with Tatum, and this is the we've we've been asking this of Tatum, right? Like, yep. we've been waiting for this dude to be that guy, and this is it. I think this is the series that's going to, to like, catapult him into, like, oh, fuck, he's a top-10 guy. Tatum's really that guy. Um, I thought it was, it was they, their defense was really good. Um, they didn't give up there at the end. Kyrie was hitting crazy amount of shots. I do feel that the Nets are going to be asking a lot of KD and Kyrie in order to be – in order to hang in this series and any series further, like these guys need to put up 30 points a night, which, which they're capable of doing, but it's a lot of work. I thought KD's defense looked pretty good, um, but it, they're going to be asking a lot. Do you think that KD and Kyrie can, can do that every single night, night, night in and night out going against this squad? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I do. I think, I think the interesting thing uh, for Kyrie is like with the lack of games, this season, will he be, you know, at a little out of shape going into this postseason where, you know, you still get a couple days between games, right? You know, you get, you get that uh, ebb and flow, mm. but will it catch up to him? That's like the thing that I'm looking at. If the nets do make it past this first round, like what, what shape will Kyrie be in? He looks in great shape. I'm not going to question his performance. Uh, I'm going to, I mean, he, he did everything you would, you could possibly ask of him in this game. Uh, you know, 39 points uh, with the hostility, uh, and and also like with just the, like the the quality big shot after big shot he was hitting, um, but I think that may have been part of the Celtics game plan because what I saw was a very very sophisticated defense from the Boston Celtics without Robert Williams, which everyone's like, oh no, Robert Williams, where's the rim protection? They started with Horford and Tice on the court. Great which call. I didn't. I had no idea that that's where they were going to go it makes so much sense because Bruce Brown is essentially a power forward or center anyway. So they just have Horford on Brown and they have Tice on uh, Drummond or, you know, vice versa. It doesn't matter. And Horford and Tice are both relatively quick, decent defenders on ball when they're faced against a guard Horford, obviously much better than, than Tice, but both can, can hang. Um, and the way that they shadowed Kevin Durant and made him work for every bucket clearly was the game plan. So I do think this this is the kind of performance that suits the Celtics. Even though it went to, you know, down to the wire and they needed a buzzer beater, I think this game actually unfolded relatively well for the Celtics. And Kyrie just was amazing, right? So can Kyrie average 40 points a game in this series? Yes. Mm -hmm. Can Kevin Durant average 35 points a game in this series? Not with this kind of defensive pressure, in my opinion. I think they are doing an exactly the, like, I've never seen a better defense for Kevin Durant in one game. Um, and we'll see how that unfolds for the rest of the season. But they were shadowing him and leaving Drummond and leaving Bruce Brown. And so just kind of even when Kevin was trying to get into his mid post uh, on the elbow, they were just like hovering. It wasn't a straight up double without the ball, but they were just there to make everyone a little awkward, make that pass into Kevin Durant a little harder. And then when he caught it, they were switching well. They were, you know, coming out on the screens. Uh, he took a lot of very tough contested shots. He made a couple of them, but he only had 23 points. And to me, that's a victory. And the fact that he had 23 and, and the Nets almost won the game proves how good Kyrie is and how good, you know, this Nets team is despite their, their defensive woes. 
this this game had everything. It was the best best game of the of the first round, best game of the playoffs so far. Um, and and I I think the the last play uh, where you talked about Tatum like putting the putting the kind of the cherry on top there with that great spin move and just unbelievable touch and and wherewithal to make that move and lay it up the way that he did. But I also think it was equally important for Jalen Brown to bring the ball up. No timeout, right? They didn't. They just let it roll. Ime Udoka just like letting the boys do their thing. He makes a good pass to Marcus Smart. And in years previous, Marcus Smart shoots that 18-footer. He's shooting that shit. So I think that shows development from Jalen Brown and, more importantly, Marcus Smart to look instead of – because, I mean, three seconds left, I think most guys are looking, oh, shit, I got to shoot this. But he had the wherewithal to just see a cutting Tatum, bang, right on the money, spin move. So I think, in general, that play was a huge – acknowledgement of the growth of this team you literally took the words right out of my mouth because first of all that last 12 seconds was about 35 seconds it felt like right the fact you know Jalen Brown wanted to take that shot he was he was getting in position to take that shot then makes the pass to smart who if you're a Boston fan or just a casual NBA fan that knows anything about Marcus he's jacking that shit and you're so right Drew making that one extra pass Tatum who just doesn't stop moving Right, that's what I think he was going for the rebound. I honestly think he was going for the rebound because it went to Smart, and he thought Smart shooting that, Mm -hmm. but it worked. I think it worked, but I think keep going. (laughs) No, you're you're completely you're right. I mean, he's at least cutting and not standing around. Right? Yes. You know that like the the clock's going to be done if Marcus jacks it up. Anyways, even if you're not going to be able to get the rebound, time will be out. But the spin on Kyrie, Kyrie was oblivious to all of that. Right. And you get the layup. It's like a finals game, man. It was like a finals game. And for them to pull it out like that, it was just such a great game. And I want seven of these. I want seven of them so bad because pretty much every one of the other games minus um, uh, Minnesota smacking Memphis, which I thought was great. Can we talk about that one? Or you got anything else about, about the nets? No, I'm good with the nets. I think, um, I think based on how that first game went, um, I'm very much that the second game I'm very, very excited for, but if Boston goes up to nothing and it goes back to Brooklyn, Ben Simmons, all just much more attention and pressure will be on him because it does feel like they're one Ben Simmons away. The nets are one Ben Simmons away from actually, you know, coming out of this series and then potentially, you know, flipping this whole playoffs on their head. Yeah. And we failed to mention too, that with, uh, Horford and Ty start, I mean, Horford had 20, man. Which mm-hmm. is good. If you can get Horf, if you can get twenty from Horford, yeah, he you, he rarely does that. D- doesn't right? But they were yeah. they were good buckets. He's a vet. He's the guy. Like I just I like it. This is the situation we like Horford in. We didn't like Horford in Philly. This is a good situation. What a catastrophe that was. Elton Brand. Good God. <laughs> um, all right. So Memphis getting smacked at home. Really interesting because these guys talk a lot of shit, right? And we get it. Their swag is is on a thousand at all times. They've had a really great season. Uh, you know, the grind, the grind house is a real thing. And then Minnesota comes in and wins the game and Edwards in his, in his first real playoff game just goes off and he gives zero fucks about, you know, Oh, first game jitters or anything like that. This guy's a pro. This guy's next up, right? He's next up. Everybody's talking about jaw. Like this, this kid is the real deal, man. And uh huge win for, for Minnesota in Memphis. I think that, Cat is way too quick for Steven Adams. I think that's just, it's just going to be a problem for Steven Adams down there. And it showed, right? 
And these guys just have a lot of bucket getters on their squad. Pat had a nice, a nice little game too. Um, but I'm curious, like if Minnesota can make this 2-0, that's going to be interesting for me, man. I agree. I think so. I think this was this was a weird game for Jaw. Um, first and foremost, the Grizzlies just could not shoot the ball very well. They could not shoot their threes at a rate that would be more typical of this team. And and the Stephen Adams point that you made is very valid as well. Like it, Carl Anthony Towns is a very difficult guard for him, and it's similarly a very difficult guard for J- Jaron Jackson Jr. Right. So like if you want to go small and you're the Grizzlies, Cat is stronger than Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, and can take him in the post. And then when Adams is on him, he can take him out, you know, deep and, and kind of go around him. Uh, huge bounce back for Carnathony Towns. Like, like we just talked about previously, like that, no, like that no show in the play-in game uh, got rewarded by his teammates, picking him up, you know, picking up the slack while he was out. And then this was a huge, huge response from that kid. Uh, unbelievable dunk that he had. Ooh. That was awesome. Jaw had that crazy that he just kept elevating on the two handed slam. I think on, on Ant Edwards or Delo, whoever it was, that's, that's where it's just mm-hmm. like, how is he still going up? Um, to me, this came down to the Jaron Jackson. If, if, if I can identify one guy, it's him. Uh, and it's, and it's his lack of three point shooting uh, because that changes Memphis's game. So significantly, he was zero for five from three. He needs to hit two of those. And, and mostly he needs to hit two of those because he's so open when he takes these three. He's not taking a lot of contested threes. These are kickouts or semi-transition, like secondary transition threes where he's open. And that's where Grizzlies are so punishing is when Jaw leads the break, you, everyone collapses and slows him down. Then he can kick it to Bain. He can kick it to Jaron Jackson. Uh, you know, the rest of the guys, Dylan Brooks, they can all shoot. Uh, but the fact that uh, Bain was three for eight as well, but Jaron Jackson being over five was really detrimental to the team. And I think his performance will hinder Jaron Jackson will hinder whether or not the Grizzlies get out of this series. I still think the Grizzlies will win. I actually expect another fantastic game. I think this is great. I think the, the T wolves are maybe even too naive to know that, that they shouldn't necessarily be beating the Grizzlies, you know, like they're just kind of like, fuck it. Like we're here. We don't care. Uh, and that was a huge first game performance for this Grizzlies team. However, looking back at last year, similar situation that the Grizzlies were in. They came out and whooped the whooped that ass against the Utah Jazz. Game one, one eight seed. This is two seven, and then they got swept. The gentleman sweep after that. After that, so I don't necessarily think this is going to be four games in a row for Memphis, but I do think one win does not make a series. Um, We'll see what happens in game two. I fully expect Memphis to bounce back. Um, and I think Taylor Jenkins is a hell of a coach. So I expect some adjustments uh, offensively for for the Grizzlies. But mostly, we just got to assume they're going to hit more open shots. That I mean, that's their MO, though. They're a good shooting team. They, yeah. they had a bad shooting night. I think um, you're, you're dead on with Jaron Jackson Jr., Shooting is so big for them. How many times was Jaw on the floor too, dude? Like, yeah, they were physical. So I did hear. I heard today. um, I had ESPN ESPN on, and somebody on there uh, mentioned that it was kind of a little bit Jordan Rules esque Mm -hmm. for Jaw. The treatment that minutes like Pat Beverly. Mm -hmm. You don't even have to tell him about Jordan Rules. That Pat Beverly just plays Jordan Rules against everybody, but everybody else really took note of when he was coming and made sure to to bang him a little bit little mm-hmm. bumps some elbows especially the playoffs on the- baby it's the playoffs Absolutely. 
And when you're a springy guy like that, that's one of the, one of the few ways. Uh, I always remember Reggie Bush at, at USC as a running back. The Texas MO was when you tackle him, lay on him for five to 10 seconds longer and make the ref pull you off of him because that's going to wear him down eventually. So I think this is the tactic that the, that the Timberwolves are going at with jaw. Plus he was tentative, right? First game back really uh, with that knee problem. And he started off very passive. He grew into the game quite nicely and obviously was comfortable out there. But I do think like that first five minutes of the opening game kind of determined what was going to happen. 41 points in the first quarter for the, for the T wolves. It's hard to come back from that. If you're the Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah. They almost I- did. Yeah, I agree. And also, we, we were talking about it a couple pods ago, just like, you know, Memphis really hasn't been there before. They don't have a lot of like seasoned vets on that squad. Exactly. Uh, so it might take a little bit of time. And I also read a really great article on The Athletic. If you guys don't subscribe to The Athletic, you should, because the, the, the journalistic masterpieces that come out of there are just amazing. And they did a huge article on Pat Bev. And basically, and I know we talk about Pat Bev a lot, but I read this article and it's just so funny, like, Day one that he gets to Memphis after practice, they had like one shitty practice, the first practice he was in. And Pat Bev literally lined up the whole squad like like they're in military school, put everybody up against the wall and just laid into each and every one of them and told him exactly what he wanted out of each one of them. From wow. the from the from the twelfth man on the bench to Ant Edwards, like yo, this is your role. This is what you need to do. We expect rebound and hustle from you. Just held all these dudes accountable, and then they interviewed the guys that were you know Pat Bev was yelling at, and they're like, yo, nobody's ever talked to us like that before. Me in my life, from AAU to college, nobody ever said that shit to us, and we kind of locked in. And again, Pat Beverly is that guy that he's not going to fill the stat sheets at all, but what he brings to the table is in, is just is so valuable. And especially to a young team like them that has kind of been in disarray for a long time, going through different coaches, going through different Jimmy Butlers and like figuring out all this shit, going from Wiggins, going from uh, Levine and all these guys and to Kevin have Love. a vet. What's that? Kevin Love. K-Love, right. But to have somebody come in and just be like, yo, this is what we're going to do. And it's normally it's your coach that's doing that, not your 33-year-old veteran point guard, right? So I just think that they have this, they know their role, they know what they're supposed to be doing. And 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 we're looking at, like, who's the guy on the team? I think it's Ant Edwards. I think that is the yes. guy on the team. Carl is great, and he's been, you know, the cornerstone of that franchise for a minute. But when it comes to getting a bucket, it has to be Anthony Edwards. Yeah. And he, that kid, I mean, this is why this matchup is so much fun, right? When you have John Morant and Ant Edwards on the court on two different teams, it's just every time, every time down the court, there's a possibility for a highlight Mm. and watching Ant Edwards just physically dominate whoever is trying to guard him is special. It's like really fun. I can't, I, for me, he's just, he, he feels uh, a lot bigger than he is right like his size he's six six but but like he's just so built um and strong and and goddamn is he fast and quick and and he can just fly like all that stuff and then his shooting they're pretty good you he know his jumper, shoot the rock bro his jumper to start the game was just pure right so like you know when he's in a shooting groove that changes everything because you know we, we he can get by whoever it is and and it's fun because he doesn't need a pick he does, he's like no everyone it doesn't matter who's guarding me they can't stay in front of me. And if they try to, I'm strong enough to hold them off and get to the rack and still dunk it. So I think this is going to be a, a longer 
a longer series than than maybe people would have expected at the beginning. Uh, I still think Grizzlies probably in six. That sounds about right to me. But we'll see. I mean, game two will be the tell all, right? Because that, that really is a game that Memphis cannot lose. Uh, yeah, I can't, I can't lose two in a row at home. Yeah, I'm not. A, I don't like to. I was going to start the segment with saying I'm not a big fan of judging a whole series off game one. Yeah. I really yeah. don't like doing that. Exactly. But it's fun. It's our job to talk about basketball, and it is fun to do that. I want to see where we're at with two. When the teams go up 2-0, then it's kind of back against the wall type shit. Because you, if you're going up 2-0 in memphis and going back home dude you're in the driver's seat you are it's it's your series to lose at that point but what you were saying about ant edwards even in the play-in game against the clippers dude came out and yeah. dropped like four threes like butter quick and yes. uh, he's that kind of guy i think his confidence is out of this world i think he is a superstar i, I mean i'm not saying anything that nobody knows this guy's a superstar in the making um and there's i i just can't say enough i, I haven't seen him choke yet either like, I haven't seen him have one. Remember how, like, a couple uh, playoffs ago, like, Tatum choked in the playoffs, and that was kind of, like, why we didn't have him on that superstar level yet. And now in year – what is this, year five for him, year four for him? Uh, Tatum was drafted the same year as Lonzo, Lonzo. And, and Markel Fultz, right. which so is you, crazy shit. to think about how much better he is than those guys. Yeah, he is, right? <laughs> He's so much better than those guys so yeah it feels like he's been in the league for 10 years and lonzo is like still a new young lonzo right, right. like no tatum is younger i think than lonzo ball yeah but it took so. him like you saw it early and a lot yeah. of people saw it uh you know saw it early like oh this guy has the potential tatum's going to be that guy i think ann edwards is there right now like i think this guy yeah. has the whole bag and um and he's just so I was going to say humble. He's definitely not. I mean, no, no, he's not humble. No, no, but it's great. That kind of confidence is great. I also think like the levity with which he carries himself. Um, like it's, it's such a great contrast when you look at the way that Kyrie Irving handled the fan treatment, which was way worse. The fan treatment of Kyrie was way worse than the fan treatment of Ann Edwards. But when you look at the way they handled it, like Kyrie's obviously upset and cursing people out, flipping people off. It's fine, whatever. And then you, you Ann Edwards is like laughing about it, like smiling about it because and it Memphis is doesn't. And Memphis doesn't like that though. You saw Jaron Jackson yes. get frustrated with it. They haven't mm -hmm. been smacked in the mouth yet. Normally, they're the ones that are doing all the piping off. But I'm sure there was just as much shit talking in the Grizzlies fans. Like Grizzlies fans aren't like quiet. It's no. not like, you know, they're all respectful golf clapping, all these things. No, fuck that. They're talking shit. I mean, like the interactions between Ja and Carl Anthony Towns dads on the mm -hmm. sideline was fantastic when they were going back and forth and they hugged it out at the end. Like that to me, uh, you know, was uh, such a fun game, even though it like was a 13 point win. That was so fun. And I just, I love his attitude towards this. And I think that was, it's weird because when we talked about Edwards in the beginning, like when he was pre-draft, he had some weird comments about like, oh, you know, football was my first love. Right. You know, uh, you know, I, I almost like almost like he fell into basketball because it's just like, well, I guess if I, I can, can do jump, this, if I can jump to 13 feet in the air. I might as well see if I can play this basketball thing over here. But but he also carries that with him, like with the confidence that he is like legitimately <laughs> a very good basketball player. Like, and I don't think he's shy about that. But but then there's also like that. Uh, perspective that he has to be able to remove himself from like the heat of the moment and be like, 
this is fun. Like, this is what it's about. It's right. about being in a way in an away game and having people boo you. And like, that's part of the fun of the sport. And it, and it shows how much people care. And it's fun when people care. Right. If nobody gave a shit and there was no trash talking, just like the bubble. Remember how many complaints there were from players in the bubble? This is fucking weird. I don't like playing in an empty mm -hmm. gym. It's like, well, you can't have it both ways. Yeah. Guys. What do you right? want then? <laughs> kind of pick one, you know, and, and the fans are part of the reason why you have a job and a contract that pays you millions of dollars. So I just I appreciate Ant Edwards for that. Yeah. And I remember doing our draft show with Babcock and, uh, you know, our notes on Anthony Edwards and his notes as well. We're just like, yo, poor shot selection, uh, gifted athletically needs to work on his jumper and it's like okay well now we're in year two and he looks great and the jumper yep. looks great now the clips and drew curse is next game he's going to go over 13 yep. and everything that we just said right now is going to look really bad but yeah. uh another thing dude how old is john morant's dad i'm looking at this guy and i'm like bro am i older than john morant i thought father? it was usher dog <laughs> i thought i thought usher was on the sideline for sure i thought it, I was, thought it was his brother yeah, was like, usher looks a little older than i thought like a little more scrappy than i thought he would uh, no chain, but it was Jaws' dad, and yeah, I agree. I, they have to be eighteen years apart, twenty years dude, apart. Dude, I was gonna say, did he have him when he was like thirteen? What the <laughs> hell is this, man? Then you look at Cat's dad, and you're like, yeah, that looks like a dad. That's a father, ja right? <laughs> Jaws' dad does not look like a dad. It had me shook there for a minute. And for those <laughs> who don't know, they are friends, like Carl Anthony Towns' pops and John Morant's pops are friends, and they do have a bet that whatever son wins the series, they the father has to wear the other son's jersey. Fun. Yeah, fun, but God, you know, if you're John Morant, you don't want to see your pops rocking a Carl Anthony Towns jersey. That is and, true. And vice versa, man. So I think uh, I, I, I like this. I like this. And I yes. just think if, if Pat can – uh if pat god I, again we're talking about pat beverly like he's the fucking centerpiece and the key to winning series and stuff right but uh if he can keep it under control because he's a pesk too and he's going to piss off a lot of these guys so it's going to be really interesting i'm stoked on it i want memphis to get one and make this a series to going back to minnesota yeah uh, but you still have memphis winning it i do yeah okay. i do i mean look if they go down two nothing Mm -hmm. I, I, I still, I'm going to stand by my pick, right? I'm not going to like mm -hmm. try and walk it back, but if they go down to, Oh, it's going to be very difficult for them to win the series period. Uh, so I, I expect them to win in game two for sure. So, you know, we're talking about these young athletes that are, you know, kind of making their, making their name right now. And like how Jason Tatum's what 24 now. Uh, yeah, that sounds right. 24 and the Anthony Edwards is 22. And then we're looking over to, at the Phillies Raptors series and the Raptors was my, was my potential dark horse, right? I thought, no, I, I did. I really did. You did. You called it. Yeah, it's true. I, I, I liked I, it. I liked the call. I think of, of the upsets, that one could have definitely gone that way. It could have happened. And now we have Scotty Barnes out and then we got Gary Trent now questionable. It was a really bad game by the Raptors. But what terrible. It, yeah, but what it was was a great it was terrible. Okay, you're right. For uh yeah. Freddie never skeet, Freddie Van Vliet did not look well. No. Uh Scotty going down. Obviously, this series is over, in my opinion. But yep. uh besides the injuries and and how poorly the Raptors played, we're seeing this Tyrese Maxey just just show up and show out, man. What a game from him, right? I think Got Embiid him. had zero turnovers. I think uh Toby had a nice game, but the the storyline is Tyrese Maxey, and we've seen this happen with him all season. This is a kid that got an opportunity and has just ran with it, and he's mm -hmm. a perfect piece for them. I, I want to see him have a great series. I yeah. think Philly fans are stoked that, like, okay, we lost Ben, but we got him, 
right? And this little kid at 22 is something really special, man. And I think it's the confidence that we're seeing with these young players, with the Trey Youngs and the Anthony Edwards and this kid too. They don't care. Like they're showing up for the big moments. And I was just happy to see him 30 piece, right? Or he had four, what did he have? 38? Yeah, 38 points. 38. Uh, yeah, put on a clinic. I mean, it was everywhere. He was everywhere uh, in that game. And James Harden had a pretty decent game as well. Like it, it, Embiid and, and Harden didn't shoot well, but it didn't matter. Uh, they were controlling the game. And, and Toronto never looked even close uh, in that one. I don't know what it was. Uh, you know, sometimes, you know, a start time can throw a team off and they're just not, you know, not really ready. And it, that was pretty clear. <laughs> from the start with this one, I think it was the best possible start to the series for the 76ers. A lot of confidence uh, after that first game. And then, and then, in, you know, in the middle of the game, Scotty Barnes looks like he rolled his ankle pretty bad. That was, he was in a lot of pain. It looked like, uh, and without him, I, there's no chance for this Toronto Raptors Zero. team. Uh, so I feel bad in that regard. Like I do think, you know, like we just said a, a few minutes ago, game one does not make, an entire series right so of course there could have been a bounce back for toronto in game two but when you take away one of their key playmakers and one of their best defensive players in scotty barnes it really doesn't it's and the free, shooting of trent you, yeah and trent, the and, i mean thaddeus young went mm. out in the, in the game as well he's a, you know a smaller piece of of the team but they do have a very set rotation in toronto which is how they were able to get you know where they are at this at this stage of the season it does suck when injuries come into play in a series like this. And I think that one's going to be way too hard for Toronto to get over. And, and this one could be the, could break out the broom here. Could be, could be the, the, the only, could be the only sweep. Uh, God, the first I really time. want to we'll see I, if we get a sweep or not, but you know, I really wanted my dark horse call to work. I really <laughs> want, I thought it had some legs to it and it, yeah. and it, it might, it would might still, if we, if they had the players on the squad, but I think you're right with this one. Uh, and I think Embiid's pissed off. You know, I just think he's pissed off for whatever reason of because I don't think he's going to win that MVP. I don't understand mm -hmm. why everybody else like why why isn't this done yet? Like why isn't the the, the voting? MVP, yeah, like why why don't the voting we have is supposed to be done? The voting is in. Okay, then why don't we have a winner? They like to do the whole thing. You know, you know what they do? They like to make it a whole make it a whole spiel. That that's why they have the results. But they, it was due. I think it was due last Monday. Last week, right? Last Monday, yeah. Um, if I, or maybe this Monday, I don't know, but the, yeah, the, I think the, the, the votes are all in and they're, they should be tallied. It doesn't take long to count whatever 150 votes. Right. Uh, so yeah, I, I, they always like to make it a thing, right? Mm -hmm. So it is what it is. And they have like the award show thing that they do. I don't know if that's still happening this year or whatever, but yeah, we, they know the results and, you know, Embiid made top three. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how many first place votes he gets, uh, for, for MVP. Well, you know um, who looked tired? The former MVP. Giannis? No, jo the, the Joker looked tired the other night going against uh, the Warriors, man. And at least I have one call that's standing strong this year, which is my Jordan Poole call, who was yeah. just absolutely phenomenal the other night. Steph had a really bad game. Clay played well. Uh, I just – I think they played Joker really well. What do you think about this series with the Warriors, man? Well, when the Warriors shoot as good as they did – there's very few teams that can beat them. I mean, when they're shooting threes like that from clay and pool and Steph was terrible, didn't matter. Like they're very difficult to beat when they're doing that. Um, and then you, you kind of compound that with um, a relatively poor effort from the Denver side of things like Jokic was good. Pretty good. I think, but I agree. Like, I think they're, 
the way that they're pressuring Jokic is causing problems for him, but it's just the supporting cast, right? Like that's kind of what it has been. Yeah. When, when did Aaron Gordon just, just want to start shooting threes? Is he, does he think he's just a three point shooter now? Is that, is that the deal? Yeah. I think that's the tough part is, you know, I thought all of us potentially thought that he was a little bit more versatile offensively than he, than he is with his time in Orlando because he was given free reign to kind of explore and do that. And I think Aaron Gordon is a guy that wants to fill his role. He wants to do the right thing. He doesn't want to be a ball hog. He doesn't want to shoot necessarily 25 times a night. I think he wants to contribute in the role that they have for him. Unfortunately, his shooting is not good. Like just this whole year, really, uh, his three-point shooting wasn't wasn't great. Yeah, but don't you remember? Um, and, don't you remember like the first two or three games that when Gordon came over to Denver and we were both like, "Oh, this is going to work." Jokic just has another puppet that he's going to be able to play to, to throw to and slash, and it was working. And now it's like every time I turn on a Denver game, it's Aaron Gordon jacking the three-pointer. Well, I think that's mostly to me that that's mostly to do with the absence of Jamal Murray. I think Aaron Gordon's role becomes much more specific and honed in with Jamal Murray on the floor. And I think that's part of the reason why it looked as good as it did when he arrived is mm-hmm. because you had Mur- Murray and Jokic like, all right, cool. And then Gordon can be third or fourth option, you know, and then if he takes a three and misses it, it's not as big because he's still slashing and cutting and defenses have to be so worried about Jokic and Murray that it's very easy for them to turn their head during a pick and roll and he can get a backdoor lob, right? Like that's where he's at his best. Um, but I, the other side of it is like, I also think like his defensive ability, uh, I may have graded too high over the years. I thought for sure he would be a better defensive player than he is. Um, and I think that's something that he needs to work on, right? The three point shooting you can work on defense. You can work on. So like, at this stage of his career, we don't necessarily uh, expect a giant leap in any area, but certainly he can progress and get better. And those are the two things, in my opinion, that he has to do to fill the role that they have for him on this team. And I know he wants to do that. He's just got to work at it. So on the Warriors side of things, it's pretty nice that when Steph has an off night that they have you know plenty of other players or a few other players that can actually come in and knock down buckets. And you know, again, another one of these young guys in Jordan Poole, uh, comes in and has a huge game. And it was interesting before we started the pod, I was telling you about how our, our resident uh, real Warriors fan, Jeff Crompton was, was hitting me up during the game. And he's like, man, I think Jordan Poole reminds me a lot of Jamal Crawford. And I, I get what he was saying with that, but I'm like, nah, man, I, I think Jamal was way more handle focused, way more ISO kind of guy, one-on-one kind of guy. Jordan Poole's a little different. So I wanted to think of a couple players that reminded me of Jordan Poole. And so I went with, um, a little bit of Grant Hill. And then I went up to, to footage of Ben Gordon and I'm like, Ben Gordon was a little smaller, but they kind of played the same amount of games shifty or same kind of game shifty could get to the rack and he could shoot. So that was the, the guy that came to my mind. And then you brought up who you think he reminds you of. And I found that really interesting. Well, yeah, I think it's Steph. I mean, I think that's the, the fun part about watching Jordan Poole is you go, that looks a lot like Steph, at least to me when I watch him, it's like he's coming, he's coming full speed off these screens and he's stopping. And of course, he's not going to be Steph. Steph is, you know, very much his own player. And I don't know if we're ever going to see a guy like Steph. But when you're able to watch the greatest shooter of all time in practice every day and in games every day, the way that Jordan Poole has been able to for the last three years, uh, it only makes sense that he would add some of that to his game, take as much of it as he can and add it to his game. And he's done that. He's extended his range. 
I think, uh, you know, he's pretty competent from deep, like way deep, like where we would normally call Steph and Trey range. Mm-hmm. I think he can shoot from there. Um, I think his slashing ability is fantastic. He is very fast. I think his first step is the fastest on the Golden State Warriors. Faster than I, I said. That, I said that as well. It's like yeah. Levine-ish. It's Levine-ish. It's, yeah, it is a straight line. Like mm-hmm. you gotta, you have to really move laterally to try and stay in front. And he's so thin and like wiry that he can slide by people because he's also like kind of a shoulder in front. Um, but he is streaky, right? So I think I get the streaky, like the Jamal Crawford streaky comparison from comp. And I also get the Ben Gordon thing too, uh, because Ben Gordon was pretty explosive for his size and was a decent shooter as well. But to me, he is mini Steph. And I think that had to have been at least in the back of Bob Myers's mind. When you draft a kid like pool, you go, Hey, let's see. He's got all the tools. Let's see if he can maybe pick up some shit that Steph drops off in his ear when they're talking, when they're running through practices, when they're doing shooting drills. Yeah, how can you not? We've yeah. said this on so many shows. Like, if you are able to play with an elite talent, you want to be part of, of the process with them. And that is, like, and I, I always say this, and I know it's not the same thing, but, like, I just remember why Kobe gave Sasha Vujicic, or Vujicic so much love. It's because he trained with him every day, worked out with him every day, didn't want to leave his side every single day. And no, Sasha was not uh, a great player, but he was a better player for doing that with Kobe, if you remember that. And you're so right with the off the ball stuff. Like everybody wants to say, man, Trey and Steph are kind of like the same play. They're not just because they shoot d- deep threes. They're not the same kind of yeah. player. The off the ball stuff, the 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 Ray Allen, the JJ Redick, the moving without the ball is Reggie. so Reggie is this is so important, especially with that franchise, which is a, or with that team where it's a lot of movement everywhere. Yeah. There's moving pieces everywhere. Yeah, it's not just sitting back and waiting for shit to happen. You know. Yeah. Um, and and then when I say you know also that like he he modeled his game after Steph. Clay also does a lot of that stuff too. So not only do you have Steph as a role model, like doing these things, Clay also very, very great mover off the ball, obviously a fantastic catch and shoot guy. So I think having those two, I I don't want to just single out Steph. I mean, Clay's been injured for two years, so I don't know how much he's been able to glean from Clay, Mm -hmm. but uh, both of those guys have to have influenced Jordan Poole. And also like, he's just a good player, right? He's got a good feel for the game. He's grown well into himself. He's focused on his body and he's gotten in shape and he's a huge contributor to the team in a time where they absolutely need it without Steph, you know, being at a hundred percent. Yeah. And I don't, I don't see Steph. That was his first game back in a minute. And I don't see Steph having another game like that. So no, yeah, exactly. He was getting the rust off. It was fine. He still hit three threes. Like I I say awful. Awful was in comparison to like normal, 100%. 100%. Well, he was short on on he was yeah. short on a lot of them. That means he didn't have his legs under it uh and it is what it is. I don't see I don't see Steph having another bad game. So I think Denver's in trouble. Uh they need to win they need to win another game. Uh, I think I think like we were saying with KD and Kyrie like it's just a lot to ask of Joker, right? Like this guy has yeah. to do everything. And you yeah. need you need your your Monte Morris's and shit to not and Aaron Gordon's to knock down their shots, man. Bones yeah. was trying his best, right? Yeah, and, and Barton had a great game. Like right. Will Barton has been that guy for Jokic this whole season, like mm. so, ups and downs. But Will Barton has had a fantastic season. And they those two can only do so much, to your point. Right. Like 24 points from Barton, 25 from Jokic. Okay, like somebody else is gonna have to step up. And that's I think the biggest problem that they're gonna have moving forward especially when you have time to game plan in a series like you got seven game series you got a lot of time to 
tinker and play and watch tape and, you know, really focus in on how we're going to break down this, this opposition. And when that's the case and you're so limited in your options, it just puts everything on blast. The best offenses have the first and second look immediately, and then they know to go their third and fourth. When the Warriors are able to pressure you, and and by the way, Denver's first, second, third, and fourth are all Jokic-based. So, <laughs> you know, when, when you go through that and all of those four options are coming from one guy, it's, it's a lot easier to game plan than it is when you have, a, you know, a normal team with Murray on it and you have to game plan for both of those guys. So it's just a tough task for, for Denver without, you know, somebody else like we just meant, like you just mentioned, lighting it up for them. Doesn't Joker lead the team in every single statistical category? Every one of them. Yeah, I think so. I, I think the only one might be like free throw percentage. Uh, but I, all the, like all the statistics that matter, he, he's, he leads them in. Right. Them. Yeah. Now yeah. I really don't want to talk about the Utah Mavs. I mean, with no Luca, this is, this is, I don't have anything to say. Like no, I didn't even I, want to watch this game. Yeah. Um, I get a good performance from Dallas in my opinion. Like they stayed in it. They stayed in the game. It was an ugly ass game. It was the first game. It was early. It was an earlier start. You know, like it was a noon start, I think in Dallas, um, it, you know, really poor offense on both sides but this is that's kind of exactly how i think this series is going to go without luca on the floor it's clear to me that luca if luca plays dallas wins that game and dallas wins the series mm-hmm. he's out for game two as of now uh which i think will be happening shortly here in the next couple minutes i don't expect them to win this game but if but the fact that they were as close as they were within you know scratching distance against utah shows that they're putting in some effort um, and I think they could squeak out a win tonight without Luca again. But Dallas, you know, it's the same thing we're just talking about with, with Denver. It's just going to be really hard for them to win without, you know, without a key component to their team. And uh, the yeah, main I, component, I, the main component. Well, right. Yeah. For them, it's it's more obvious. Right. right. It's, you know, at least at least Denver has Jokic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, uh, with with Dallas, without Luca, it'll be to stretch it to, to five or six would be a miracle. Yeah, I uh, you know how much I love Jalen Brunson, but when he's like, okay, you are the number one option tonight. Oh boy, he was jacking early. He was <laughs> well. Jacking. That's what. Hey, dude, green light tonight, Jalen. Do you want to? Do you want to get your first 30, 40 piece? By all means. But if Jalen yeah. Brunson is the focus of your offense, you're kind of in trouble. It's tough. Yeah, it's tough. Um, the the one note, the notes that I had, uh, the Jazz miss Ingles. They miss Ingles oh, yeah. a lot in the second unit. And also when he plays with the first unit, they miss his creativity to allow Donovan to operate off the ball. So they miss him a lot. Um, and I want to see Nikhil Alexander-Walker play in that role. He didn't touch the floor. You traded for this guy. He's a talented young player. Showed out well in the Pelicans the first half of the year. I don't know why he's not getting on the floor because I think maybe he could fill that role that Ingles has left um you know with his with his knee injury and he, you know, he's not going to be av- av- available to play and plus he's on the portland trailblazers also that's how they got Nikhil alexander walker it's like why isn't that kid playing you well maybe they'll tinker maybe. with maybe quinn will tinker with that i think he should mm-hmm. uh, because that could be something that helps the second unit their offense was just so poor and stagnant and slow um and so i just i would love to see that kid get on the floor those are my notes um unfortunately the the bulls bucks game was in the middle of Easter dinner last night. So I didn't get to watch a lot of it. I just saw the highlights this morning. Um, you have, do you have any takes from that? 
Yeah, that, this one I called. I think I called that one pretty good. Um, I was I was five of six, by the way, in the out of the play. Oh wait, hold on, hold on, Drew. Pat yourself on the back. No, I will. I I, I was doing it all weekend. I was telling everybody. I was like, <laughs> I can five of six, five of six out of the plan. Called it. Um, and I called this one. This was a close game. This was an ugly game. It was very intense, and the Bulls almost pulled off an upset here. Uh, they're not going to win this series. The Bulls are not going to win this series, mm. but they're going to make it very difficult. And I think the, the series will continue on this path where it's just kind of ugly at times. And the Bulls couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. All three of their best players missed like 20 shots. And then they were still, whatever, six or seven points away from, from winning that game. And I saw there was a couple plays where I saw Drew on, on Vucevic and was holding his ground, like, like Dean this cat up in the post. I'm like, you can, that cannot happen. Yeah. Yeah, I, it, Drew is an amazing defensive player, and and rightly so. He is strong, right? But Vooch, you're totally six ten, two fifty. Like just just bend bend down a little bit, just use that body, put your ass step, into it, yeah, drop step, move him, and put the ball in the hole. But I mean, yeah, I I I think that would have been if if the Bulls were going to steal one, it was that game because mm-hmm. both teams shot like just ass they were terrible from from the field both teams awful but that was the one that had it set up for the bulls to snake it and take game one in a, in a surprise um because the, the the bucks just didn't have it they didn't they didn't bring their normal stuff to that game um i do think that the the intensity of this series will be right up there with with potentially the most intense series uh, just because I do think both teams like to play defense. I, I say that like Levine and DeRozan, maybe not so much, but I, I think both teams um, understand how how hard they need to make it for the other. Um, and I don't expect the Bulls to shoot that poorly, uh, but I also think the Bucks defense was obviously a part of that as well. But I just, I think that series is going to be like that. Maybe the Bucks will have one where they blow them out by 20 or something, but I don't see that happening too frequently in this series. And it could go down maybe to six or seven, like I yeah, called we, in the beginning. I did say they're going to miss Lonzo a lot. Hey, so wait a minute. So if you were if you were five for six, my okay, so minus my loyalty to the Clippers, what was I? You had the Hawks beating losing to Charlotte. I did? Yes. Okay. Um, and well, you obviously had I had Minnesota beating the Clippers. Mm-hmm. So I had that. So you you missed that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you, we both missed the Clippers beating the Pelicans. Oh, damn. Okay. So I was just oh, <laughs> um, yeah. I think I, I can't recall. I think we were on the board with the same, like the, that the Cavs would struggle, right? Uh, and, and you had the Hornets, so you lost both of those. They disappointed me, man. They yeah. really disappointed me. Yeah. Well, the Hawks, were, the Hawks were equally disappointing. And like, like we said, mm-hmm. didn't matter. Cavs, Hornets, Hawks, the <laughs> Miami, that, that one really feels like a sweep. Uh, yeah. You know, they got smacked in the mouth. Sweeps. They got, yeah. I don't even want to talk about that one either. No. Do we have to? No, Trey was terrible. They yeah. locked his ass up. Uh, Jordan rules, quote unquote, I think mm-hmm. a little bit there. They're really Kyle Lowry, like punch him in the face once and then get, didn't get called for it. That's another guy. Like, just like Pat Bev, he tries to do everything possible within the realm of legality and, and into illegality uh, when the refs aren't looking, you know, they're going to be, they're going to be tied. They're going to be tied together for the rest of their careers with Luca and Trey. But who do you think cries more during a game? Is it Trey or is it Luca? I've been adamant that Luca cries a lot, but Trey, Trey all game, man, doesn't matter what it is. 
Yeah, I think that's a tie. <laughs> it's close. I mean, Luca, he got the most texts. Right. And and then got one rescinded. Mm-hmm. So I think Luca probably. I think okay. Luca probably. But I also think he does it differently, which allows him to talk more. You know what I'm saying? Like the, the the good players that like communicating with the refs, they have the different tone, but they also just like continue the conversation the whole game. I think that's what Luca does. He gets more demonstrative at times, but Trey gets really angry and like outwardly, overtly like fuck you or you know whatever the refs. And I think that's the problem with Trey is that it's way more noticeable. Luca will do it the whole time. He's almost like Coach K, just kind of like nibbling on the ear of the ref the whole game, and then eventually that'll pay off in the third and fourth quarter. They'll call the thing that you've been you know, mumbling about the mm-hmm. whole game. Uh, Phoenix, CP does CP things last night, drops yep. 30. Uh, this was going to be an easy one for him. Yeah. You know, feel bad for the Pelicans. Like they had, they, they did it. They, they made it, mm-hmm. <laughs> made it to the play- playoffs. Um, watching that game, they got to play Zion. I, why, why is he not playing? He's doing 360 dunks in a hoodie and like street clothes practically. Like, why he, he needs to get on the floor there has to, to be another there has to be something else to it though drew i agree and we talked yeah. about it you know will they you know will they or won't they let him play if they get in blah 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 like we, we both kind of thought the answer would be no but to me like why not let's get him if you're going to keep him if you really are intending on keeping him in your team get him some fucking postseason minutes hmm. i don't care if it's 15 minutes a game get him out there and guess what he might tr- like turn the tide you know <laughs> he might fucking flip the switch and, and, and I'll tell you what, as much as you can game plan for a guy, Zion is a game plan breaker, right? You can only plan for so much. And then sometimes athleticism and, and ability, you know, just overtakes every plan that you might have defensive or offensively wise. That's the last key that they're missing here to make this series interesting and potentially snake a couple wins away from the Suns. No Zion, you know, four or five games. Yeah. Ingram or, or CJ get hot, super hot one night. Fine. They can take a game, but I don't, I don't see it doing it. You know, as far as the Pelicans go though, even after watching the playing game against the Clippers, uh, you throw Zion on that team and it's interesting. Like mm-hmm. it makes them really interesting with, with how Brandon Ingram's playing the addition of CJ, who's just so nice. You know, I love CJ. We, I don't think we give, or the media or casual fans give Brandon Ingram enough love. Cause he is nice. Very you good. Put, he is, man, and they're young, and you put uh, you put Zion in on that mix, and there that's a pretty damn good team. It's a playoff team if you can be healthy, right? It's obvious they're a playoff team right now, but there has to be another. There has to be a backstory as to why they're not playing Zion, and I do think that those viral videos were were curated by him uh, to post and to have people like us saying, "Why isn't this guy playing?" And it worked. <laughs> right, because we're talking about I it. I don't know why he's not out there, especially right now. Like, you know, I get it. The play-in game, fuck it. Don't bring him on. Mm-hmm. You know what? But but at the very least, like, have him ramping up towards something, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like have him have a goal, right? Like, where's the finish line? And if that if that's not clear to him, I can only imagine how frustrating that would be. But to, to then win the play-in, both, you know, beat the Spurs, potentially Popovich's last game mm-hmm. ever. We don't know yet. He, he's ducked that, com- that, uh, that conversation thus far. You beat the Spurs, you beat the Clippers in the great win, and then you come into here and it's like, all right, maybe we kick the tires. Right. Maybe, we, maybe we give them eight 15, minutes. Each, 15 minutes. Eight minutes each, each half. Four minutes a quarter. 16 total minutes. Mm-hmm. Like, why? 
why wouldn't they do that? Mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't know unless unless there's something that that no one has told us or hasn't been found out. That's befuddling. All right. What since you are the all knowing the 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 Nostradamus? Yeah. What do you got tonight? What are our games tonight, and what are our calls? So tonight, uh, already underway. Sixers Raptors game two. Dark horse Raptors are pulling this one out tonight. Raptors are up by seven. Hey, eleven to four. 11 to four. Still, still alive, baby. Let's go. I have a feeling the Sixers will pull this one out, uh, but who knows? Maybe maybe Delano Banton's going to be the guy tonight, guys. Who? Delano Blant- Banton, the rookie. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I was I was hoping for a big OG and an OB night. Mm. Um, uh, then later we have Game Two, Mavericks Jazz. Oh, well, we know how we both feel about this. I think Jazz win that. And then at seven o'clock, Warriors Nuggets. Interesting one. I think tonight goes pretty chalk. I have to be honest with you. I I I almost think uh, on the on the Warriors piece that Steph could should probably continue to come off the bench for Game Two. Let him let him continue to rest, ramp up, mm-hmm. give him some carefree looks against the second unit, hopefully. Uh, but I I almost like keeping Steph on the ba- on, on the bench until maybe Game Four, Game Five. Just give him the extra time he needs. But I, I expect all of the teams that we think should win to win. Sixers, Jazz, Warriors. Um, this is going to be our last podcast for a minute. We are on vacation. Uh, you will be a married man on the next one that we do, Drew. I don't know when that's going to be either. We got wedding Saturday. Uh, we don't know. You're not going on your honeymoon directly after the wedding, correct? That's correct. But we will be, I mean, we've been doing remote podcasts for a while, but we're going we're gonna to get one out next week, right? Yeah, yeah. I, you know, we're, we're going we're gonna to hang out a little bit. Uh, my guess is probably Wednesday, Thursday would be when we're coming back. And I will be documenting the, the Drew wedding on our page on the follow through with, uh, with Clips, and Drew, Clips and Drew page. Uh, we're going to do something right now that we haven't been able to do in a long time because Spotify came down on uh, on our podcast we used to like to take i like to give you guys some game with the new music i'm listening to and we take them out with a beat so we're gonna do it today because it's my homie long beach e will aka e50 and we call him e50 because the dude would drop 50 points on you casually very easily this dude's a hooper but now who would have thought the guy's got bars too it's called yeah yeah and if this this doesn't get your head banging, I don't know what is, dude. It's the follow through with Clips and Drew, and we're ghosts.
that fire on her, she my lord, yeah, yeah. She got that fire on her. Every time she see me, yeah, she loving me. Cause she my lord, yeah, yeah. 